This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Welcome back to another episode of WFUV's Five on Three. Alongside Mike Messina, I'm Chris Hennessy here uh, with another episode. Big, big episode this week. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. And um, we'll start local, Mike. It, uh, the Rangers continuing to slide without their, without their best player. Um, we've spoken at length about the Artemi Panarin situation. There's no news to update as we enter week three. But um, they continue to lose to everybody but New Jersey uh, without number 10 on the ice. Yeah, um, I, I think we're actually going to start hearing more information about the Panarin story and what comes out of it here shortly, because at the beginning, um, he was uh, Molly Walker reported that it's only going to be a few weeks. And I, and I still believe it's going to be a few weeks because there's been players, like we said last week, players coming out saying they've never heard the story. So we'll have to see what happens with that. But I think it's going to be here shortly. But you said it, Chris. I mean, they beat Buffalo. Like, like we said, all three of the teams needed to win. They beat Buffalo on Tuesday, beat the Devils twice, and then lost to Pittsburgh, which, I mean, we don't always see the Rangers going there and winning. So that, that was an okay loss, I think. But taking those first three games of March were huge. And they need to carry that momentum because they got a game against Pittsburgh tonight and then two against Boston, two against Philly, two against Washington. So though these next seven games are going to be huge in – I'm hoping they can win at least three or four of them. It's, it's going to be tough, especially, I mean, Shesterkin's coming back. He had that injury. He's, he should be good. And w- these are seven games that the Rangers need to buckle down and play like New York Rangers, play like how the Rangers play hockey and come out with wins because going forward, you're not going to be able to just snap your fingers and get wins against the Devils and the Sabres every week. You have to play the top three teams in the division, including the Islanders, which they'll be playing soon. So it's a big week, man. Um, we just have to really see how they perform with still Panarin out, Tristurkin coming back. I mean, it looks like Georgia can't save a can't save a football right now that's getting shot yeah. at. He, he, everything's going by him. It, I mean, they need to figure something out with, in, in their goaltender situation. The backup didn't do good. Hopefully, Shostak can come back, play like everyone expects him to be, and get some wins this week, man. We need it. Yeah, Kincaid was okay uh, coming in relief of that Pittsburgh game. And, yeah, to me, it, it's going to be about when Panarin comes back. And if Panarin doesn't come back, they're not going to be able to beat those kind of teams. No, uh, they're just not. And <clears throat> I think that they got lucky that the schedule kind of played out this way when they're playing New Jersey and Buffalo when he's not there. So they've kind of been able to hold serve in that sixth position. But if they're, they're not going to be able to beat Washington, Philly and Boston. Um, it, they only have it, the rest of this month. They have one game against the Sabres. The rest of the games are Boston, Philly, Washington, the rest of the month besides tonight. Yeah. After tonight, it's Boston, Philly, Washington, and one against Buffalo. So it's going to be a tough month, man. It's going to be a right. tough month. It's going to be a tough month. So we'll see when Panera comes back. And obviously we will, break all of that down once that happens as we enter week three of our Panarin being away from the New York Rangers. But other than that, not too much to report from them. Uh, as you said, Shesterkin did get hurt. He ends up, <clears throat> he'll be back either tonight or in the next game. Um, mild groin strain will look like it could be ugly. Um, there, was, there was a lot of people saying that it could be like a serious long-term injury, maybe a yeah. hip or something like that. So th- thankfully it was just, the mild groin strain, because that could have been bad. 
for sure. For sure. And that did happen against the Devils. And the Rangers took two games against the Devils, who have been in an absolute free fall, basically, since they came back from that COVID layoff. Um, 12-4 in those two games, which is huge. Huge. Absolutely huge. And, I mean, the Devils are the seventh best team in the division. They were never going to make the playoffs. And now they're just kind of – they're playing how they play. And, and and we shouldn't have expected anything else from, from New Jersey this year. Um, so we'll kind of just gloss over them because – I can't really find too much to talk about um, regarding the Devils. So, well, going back to the Rangers, super quick. Jack Eichel is reportedly out with an upper body inj- upper body injury, so I'm not sure how that's going to affect um, how he's getting looked at and what teams are looking at him and what what's going to be offered. But ho- hopefully, that's not serious. So. The Rangers can still offer what they are expecting to offer, which we talked about on an earlier episode. So we'll have to see what comes out of the Eichel injury as well for the Rangers specifically. Yes. Eichel injured with an upper body. He's out for tonight's game. Um, and we'll see how that impacts his trade. Maybe it's just they're saying he's injured and they're going to trade him tomorrow. Maybe he's really injured. Who knows? So we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that one for sure. Yep. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. Back um, to the, back to the yeah. devil. Like the original question you asked me was, yeah, man, they stink. There's, there's no other way you can put it besides they are bad. I mean, yeah. lost to the Islanders, lost to the Rangers 6-1, 6-3. Credit out of Hattrick in one of those games. But I'm surprised they beat the Bruins 1-0. I did not. I thought I thought Bruins were putting up five, six, seven goals against them. And they are bad right now. They are yeah. really bad. They, they can't score against anybody. And the Bruins have been sliding. I mean, sliding like crazy. They're down from first and now I believe they're in third. So... Yeah, it's surprising that the Devils beat them, but it just continues what's been an absolute downfall from first place for Boston. Um, and you have to but, look at it. You have to look at it too. I mean, they're gonna like they're gonna have to win. They're playing them all season long. I don't think there's a team in the NHL that could consistently beat and beat and beat the same seven teams over and over and over again. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was bound to happen. They lose to the, they lose to a bad team, whatever. Um, it's, it's just how the season plays out with playing only inside your division. It's what happens. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and speaking of Boston and that downfall, they'll try to reverse that tonight at the Coliseum. Um, Islanders are now in first place, but they have just – they just ran over Buffalo in three straight games, 5-2, 5-2, 5-2. Uh, it was fun. It was great. The Barzal between the legs goal makes all the highlights. Um, it's insane. It's, I mean, it was sick. That <laughs> – that that was filthy. It was filthy. So McDavid the- tried that last night too. He had a break oh, with it and then got the wrap around around the net and tried to put it between his legs and he just couldn't get it off. But that that goal was just beautiful. Absolutely. It was sick. It was sick. So um that was good. And now the tough part of their schedule comes up. You know, I talked about it last week how they needed to win all the games last week in order to get rolling into the tough part of their schedule. Now it comes up um, just as fans are going to start being allowed the building on the 18th. So things are starting to look up for the Islanders and yeah, they're in first place and fourth or fifth in the league. Um, but now it's, now it's time for, for me personally to, for them to, to beat the teams that they've never been able to beat before. And yes, they've beaten Boston three times this year, but beat the teams they've never been able to beat before and from there they're going to be able to secure first or second place in this division which is huge because then you get home ice 
and they haven't lost at home ice all year. So I think I have lost in regulation, I should say. So this week, again, is huge. Uh, well, it's really just one game against Boston, and then they're playing two or three more against New Jersey, three more, I think, against New Jersey, and then the hard part of their schedule comes. So add up first place, and uh, let's get going against Washington and Philly. Yeah, they have three again. They have the one against Boston tonight, then three straight against New Jersey. Chris, off the top of your head, do you know their record this season against Jersey? I believe they're two and two. Three yes, and one. Well, yeah, I mean that that's not what they're looking for out of these next three games. Obviously, I, they're looking they're looking to take two or three. I mean, they're not going to settle for one. And the worst possible uh, scenario is the Devils sweeping them right after they sweep Buffalo and just sending them back down in the standings, that would be, yeah, that would, that, it would be a funny story. It would be a funny story to read about all the speculations on Twitter about, Oh, it's this guy's fault. It's this guy's fault. No, it's trots. It's whoever's fault. It is. It would be hilarious to read, but that that's the absolute worst case scenario for them. That, that can't happen. And I, I think we both don't think it's going to happen. So no, no, I do not think that's going to happen. They're two and one against New Jersey. Uh, this year just for set the record straight there so yeah they have um, to get those two they have to get at least two wins going into the tough part of their schedule to end the month off and if you want to look forward we're about halfway through now if you look forward they end their season their last five games are against the rangers two against buffalo and two against new jersey so they're going to be able to pack to rack up the points at the end of the season too so so if they're able to pad this first place lead get a couple wins against these teams then come in in early may and, and roll through those two teams again, then you're talking about a team who could be in first place, but um, which is an insane sentence that's coming out of my mouth. I understand that, but um, it's realistic because they're there right now, um, which is wild, wild beyond words. Um, they, have okay, a, so that's, they have a tough April too. I mean, they have, they do. They have four games against the Rangers and then the rest of the games are Washington and the Flyers. That's yeah, it. a couple of games against Boston in the middle. And then, yeah, it's all oh, Washington yeah. and Philly. Yep, so, so against Boston in the middle. So, yeah, it, it's going to be tough, no doubt. Um, that is our brief local wrap-up for the week because there's a lot of stuff going on nationally that we want to talk about. Um, the first is Tom Wilson and his seven-game suspension. Um, this was a dirty hit. If you haven't seen it, go. I'm sure you can find it in about 12 seconds. Um, it's a dirty hit on – Travis Frederick. Oh, excuse me, I'm Brandon Carlo. Brandon Carlo. But yeah, Brandon Carlo. I'm sorry. He's handed down a seven game suspension, which is he's been suspended multiple times in his career. The last one was that 20 game suspension for the preseason game. But people are saying that this isn't enough because of who he is, or that this is too much because it wasn't as dirty of a hit as it has been in the past. To me, I think that this is a this is a fine number seven games, especially in a fifty six game season, where every game matters more than ever before. We talked about that, um, so I think that this is a good number. But at the end of the day, it, it's going to get to a point where Tom Wilson is going to get suspended one too many times, and there's going to be real discipline coming down on him because. And I think it's a little bit ironic that this is against Boston, who's employed Brad Marchand for how many years now? I do I, I do see the irony in that, but. Um, this has happened, I think, almost now one too many times to keep throwing them out there. I mean, at some point, it's like there has to be real discipline against 
somebody, not that 20 games or 7 games isn't real discipline, it is that's a substantial amount of money he goes in on, but more significant than just 7 games at some point, because at this point, he's just a danger to everybody out there for the last five or six years. Yeah, dirty hit, plain and simple. You said it best. Um, and it's been going on since four, four or five years now, at least since 2017. Uh, at least since 2015, because that was the Lubomir, uh, the Viznovsky hit against the Islanders in the playoff. So I'm looking at it now. A long time. He's been suspended four times, 22 in 2017, bad hit, um, boarding. Three suspended three playoff games in 2018 for an illegal check, and then mm-hmm. the 20 game suspension um, in 2018, and now this seven game suspension. There comes a time where we understand Tom Wilson is a dirty player. There's no 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 one no one disagrees with that. I don't think no one thinks otherwise. He's a dirty player. I can see both arguments for seven games is enough, and seven games isn't enough solely due to the fact that he's already been suspended four separate times. And I think that the NHL needs to reconsider this and look at giving him a higher suspension because I understand 56 game season, but do you alter the rules of suspensions and just the rules of the game just because it's a 60 uh, shorter season or do they still have to play to that expectation that they can't be hitting people in the back of the head and slamming boards like that. So I just don't know where the what, what the expectation is from the players and from the league about what they're allowed to do because they might not get a higher they might not get a high game suspension because of a shortened season. So I I, I don't know. It, it's questionable, but I, I think I think a, at least a double digit game suspension, ten games minimum, I think would be good because he has to learn his lesson at some point. Will he? No, I Probably don't not. Yeah. Don't think so. If he learned it, if he would have learned, I think after a twenty game suspension, you learn your lesson. I don't. And it had been two and a half years. To yep. be fair, it had been two and a half years. Yeah, and and now he's back. So he technically, this was interesting. Under the rules of suspension, he technically is not a repeat offender because there is a statute of limitations on your suspension and how it impacts future ones. But in the video, they say like the player who made the hit impacted our decision. So clearly, they said that that this this because it was tom wilson it mattered um and it should and it should um and so he is going to sit out for the next few games after a hit on brandon carlo from boston um and that will include um pretty much all of this week so all this week no tom wilson for washington um and as you mentioned uh we'll have to see if if it's being actually tom wilson is not um challenging the suspension he's just sitting at the seven games so it will be seven um going forward something uh, i don't like though yeah um marshawn very vocal like he always is in press conferences media availability and whatnot saying how dirty of a hit it is and all that everything everyone agrees with but then the next game when they're playing new jersey does does the exact same thing to i I forget who it was right in front of the yeah, Ty Smith right in for the net does the exact same thing. Check to the back of the head when his head's down. How are you going to come out the two two nights before, three nights before, and say how dirty and how wrong that is for someone to hit someone like that? Then do the exact same thing, just not on the boards, just in yeah, in no. the, like what? Like where does that come from? I know Marshall. Marshall's a dirty player too. We all know that, but I mean, there has there has to be limitations here on what players can say and then what their actions, how their actions follow what they say. You know? 
I completely agree with you. Um, that hit was very, very odd. 48 hours later to, to, to clock Ty Smith in the back of the head in front of the net. Uh, that wasn't even part of the play. And I'm not defending the Tom Wilson hit, but the puck was there. The puck was not there for Brad Marchand. Um, so, yeah, very interesting, no doubt. Um, a couple more things we want to touch on. Jeff Ward, now the former head coach of the Calgary Flames. He, he comes in replacing Bill Peters after that scandal, if you remember that from, uh, what, a year and a half ago now. Uh, he coached, I mean, not very many games, obviously. He coached 42 games last year and 24 this year plus 10 in the playoffs. Um, so that, oh, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah plus 10 in the playoffs. Um, so that'd be 60, 76 games. Um, he's now replaced by Daryl Sutter, who used to coach Calgary, left Calgary, won two Stanley Cups with the Kings, then was a, he was in the front office of Anaheim, and now he's the coach of Calgary. So just a weird, weird kind of timeline here for everybody involved doesn't seem like Jeff Ward really deserved to be fired. He doesn't really feel like he was given a, a fair shot. Yeah, they lost in the first round to Dallas, a team who ends up going to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, but 11-11-2, it, it's underwhelming, sure. But uh, it doesn't – I don't think it warrants being fired, especially in a division where you can rack up some points pretty quickly against bad teams. Yeah, I think this firing is unwarranted in my opinion. 11-11-2 um, is not – that unusual to a start for a relatively new head coach, I would say, who's not the interim anymore. I mean, he's 35, 26, and 5 in his, in his first ever NHL head coaching stint. That is not bad. 35, 26, and 5 is mm-hmm. pretty decent, I, I, I would say. So for them to fire, for, for Calgary to fire him just from starting 11, 11, and 2 is just, it, it makes no sense to me. And I 100% think he's going to get another coaching job. He deserves one. Um, he wasn't giving an adamant amount of time to show what he's capable of. Like you said, it's been what, 70, 75, 76 games. So I, I, I don't understand the thought process going through um, their front office on why he doesn't deserve to keep coaching this team. You, you mentioned yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You mentioned losing to Dallas, but besides that, I mean, got to give the guy a shot. Give him yeah, a shot. It's not even a not even one full season of games, including the playoffs last year. Um, he was a, a long-term assistant in Boston. He won the Stanley Cup there. So um, he clearly knows what he's doing. He's been a coach in the NHL for, for over 20 years now. Uh, and this was his first head coaching shot. He doesn't even get a full season, um, which I don't know. It, it just doesn't It just doesn't sit right with me that he's gone. And Daryl Sutter comes in, a guy who's given, been given that chance in Calgary who, who kind of warned us welcome in LA and wasn't hired by anybody. And now all of a sudden he wasn't even part of the Flames organization and he's their head coach. So if I'm a player on the team, it's like, well, who the heck is this guy? And, and where did he come from? Like we had a coach here who we were starting to get accustomed to the system after 76 games and now he's gone. So it, I don't know. It, it, it was really shocking uh, that he was fired and, um, and honestly, that, that the Sabres haven't fired uh, their coach yet. But, uh, you know, the Flames does not do not feel like the first team to fire their coach type of talent this year. They're, I mean, they're not that far out of the, the playoffs right now. They're two, um, point, they're two points out of the final spot. They're two yeah, points. So, this, is, this is the fifth head coach that has been hired since 2014. There comes a, point where, have, there comes a point where you have to say – 
oh, maybe it's our front office who are making the mistakes here instead right. of the head coaches because what's that, seven, seven years since 2005 head coaches in seven years? That's a, that's a little unordinary. You know? So like, yeah. I'm not sure where, where they're getting mm-hmm. their information about head coaches from. 100%. And one was obviously not – I mean, it was the front office's fault in terms of the fact that they didn't do their research. But one was uh, off-ice circumstances and Bill Peters. But a lot of them, you're 100% right. Um, you're 100% right. So we got a couple more things we want to hit on. Um, one thing is a tweet that came out from Chris Johnston yesterday. It was backed up by Elliot Friedman and a bunch of other NHL reporters about changes to the draft lottery. Um, I was – semi-jokingly, um, very adamant about the draft lottery being rigged um, for the Rangers, and I was only half-joking <clears throat> when I said that. But this kind of disproves me, um, because the NHL is proposing changes to the draft lottery, and there are three things that we would see. Teams would be limited to no more than two lottery wins in a five-year period. So that would be, you know, if we're talking right now, the Devils would not be allowed to get the number one overall pick because they have Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer that's in the last five years. Teams are only allowed to jump 10 spots with a lottery win. That would be the Rangers. Each of the last two years, they'd win the lottery for Capital Tackle, but last year, certainly. Um, and there are a billion other examples. And a reduction in the number of picks decided by the lottery from three to two. So I was texting back and forth with Caldwell about this, and I think – what it does is it makes playoff races more interesting, which is all you could ever ask for because you are, you are taking, you're only saying that teams who finish from 20th or 21st to 31st and next year, 22nd to 32nd can win the lottery. So all the teams between 17 and 22, who usually would just say, Oh, screw it. We're not going to make the playoffs anyway. Might as well just, just humble down the standings and try to get, better draft lottery position are now going to try to be pushing because they're not going to be able to get Alexis Lafreniere. So I think in the long term, that's going to be a good thing. It's a little bit oddly phrased, I feel, in some ways. Um, the reduction in lottery number of picks decided by the lottery goes from three to two. Like, weren't all uh, – yeah, I guess they did the first three lotteries and the rest were in standings format. Um, so we'll see how that, that plays out. No more than two lottery wins in a five-year period. Um, it discourages tanking, so I'm all for that. So all in all, I think they're pretty good rule changes, um, although they did kind of come out of nowhere um, and do disprove that that the uh, that the lottery was right for the Rangers. Yeah, so I'll start with the top one. Seems limited to no more than two picks. I don't two lottery wins. I don't mind that. That's fine. I mean. I mean, Rangers got Kako and then got Lafreniere. I'm happy about that, obviously. But no well, that one doesn't ex- even impact them, you know, because they yeah. didn't win the lottery. Yeah. So I, I, I think it all it does is discourage tanking, and and that's that's all you can really ask for, honestly, in my opinion. And like like you said, it, it drives up the playoff experience, and different teams are able to actually make the playoffs now because of this. So so I'm not I I don't mind that one at all. Um, this is not officially approved yet, though. I don't think I'm pretty sure it yeah, has no, to be approved by the NHL's board of governors, which who knows how long that could take, but man, I, I feel like there's a stigma with rule changes in all sports and you have to be like, why would we change the game? Nothing's fixed. Why not try new things? Yeah. Let's try everything new. I mean, the world's yeah. evolving. The game's evolving. Why not 
bring in new rules, see how they go and work from there. Like baseball, for example, universal DH and stuff like that. The lottery rules, let's try these things. This is the perfect time to be trying them out. I feel like, and like, um, technology is gaining, like we'll, we'll be able to do many more things within the game by just mo- changing some rules around, adding new rules, taking some things out. Who cares? I mean, I don't see the big deal in um, implementing these rules ASAP. I mean, I personally like them. I like that they're taking the initiative to do them and get ahead of it before the end of the season. So we're not waiting for it to be signed before next season starts and everything. Cause that always takes a long time, but I'm all for it, man. Let's do it. Um, yeah. Let, let's make, let's make the game more competitive. Let's Completely agree. So we'll, we'll see if these get approved and we'll obviously update from there, but um, it seems like, it seems like this would get approved. No problems. I don't, um, I can't see anyone turning it down. Yeah. And I believe that uh, Steve Eiserman from Detroit was obviously for Detroit um, was the one who kind of pushed this through. So you have the worst team in the league who would be impacted by that second one um, pushing it through. So I feel like if they're on board, there's no reason for any other team not to be. So uh, completely agree. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. Um, This last story, we'll, we'll lighten it up a little bit because this is, this is wild. (laughs) Um, So Vegas is as the phone is ringing. I apologize. Uh, Vegas is in San Jose. They're, they're playing in San Jose. They're in a hotel. Let's preface this by saying the CBA says that the hotels have to be five-star hotels. This is a five-star hotel in California. And they, they get kicked out of the hotel because the hotel goes bankrupt. Hotel just closes. And Peter, Peter DeBoer goes up and they say, nope, they're, pack your bags find a new hotel they they'd eaten the pregame meal taken an afternoon nap prior to the announcement so this is like hours before the game and they get kicked out um obviously with covid it was probably even harder to find a new hotel uh so they just beat the sharks in a 5-4 overtime victory and then checked into a new hotel after the game um like the, the players kind of just said yeah it's not that big of a deal nick holden said i think it was pretty seamless um they let them get everything in and then said they had to pack our bags. Um, but just, that was an interesting one when I heard that one. Just kind of funny, silly stuff that happens. Yeah, I mean, that sucks. <laughs> I, def- I definitely wouldn't be happy. That That's happened to me before, obviously not with hotels being in the NHL. But so I, like we, we just got to Jordan and, and we had all these tents we had to uh, set up and everything. And then we set them up and then... 20 minutes later, our platoon commander comes over to us and he's like, all right, now you guys have to go take every single one down because we're moving to a different location. So we spent five hours putting up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tents, not even for, we weren't even saying them. They were for, <laughs> they were literally for other people. And then we had to take them all down and just move. So I know they're paying <laughs> for this and it is, it's, it's not funny at the time, but it, it's funny now. And like, that stinks. I mean, if, if it went seamless, it went seamless and, and there's no, no harm, no foul, but that, that's just unfortunate. It's pretty funny. This ridiculous stuff that the pandemic is. Uh, how you, the, the five-star hotel thing, how, how, how does that, I don't get how that 
happens if it's a five-star hotel. I feel like if it wouldn't be a five-star hotel if it's going through financial issues. Well, well, yeah. I mean, it was a five-star hotel before the pandemic, and they they're not getting guests, and that's fine. My yeah. my question is, how do you allow not just anybody, entire hockey team, book rooms, and then just say, sorry, like we don't have any, like we don't exist anymore halfway through the stay. Okay. That's the part that blows my mind. It's like you let them come in, eat, and then you're just like, nope, can't stay here tonight. <laughs> what are we yeah, doing? I, I feel like the, there had to have been like a plan, like, oh, we might we might be filing for bankruptcy this, this weekend. So like, <laughs> let's not have an entire organization come in and stay in our rooms. But I, I don't know. I don't know how those, how the, how the hotel companies work, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm not going to pretend to know how bankruptcy works either, but wow, that is a, that's just a funny story. Um, and thankfully it went smoothly in the Vegas nights one. Um, yeah. And they weren't off to there. Really, And they're off to a really good start to the season as well um, in the West. So uh, that's going to do it for us this week. We, we hit on a lot um, and um, we'll see where we're at next week. Uh, after lots of big games for the Islanders, Rangers and Devils. Um, and we'll obviously have you Mike's covering um, a Devils, Islanders Devils this weekend. I've got Isles Bruins tonight and Isles Devils this weekend. So stay tuned Twitter wise. We'll have you updated on all that stuff. Um, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll have a good week. So have a good week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Um, for Mike Messina, I'm Chris Hennessy. Have a good one.